This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. You've heard him on my show before. He's one of the most celebrated pet couture designers in the world, and he's been written up in many of the national media outlets. He's been presenting collections at New York Fashion Week for the past seven years. And this year, his ability to show was very special indeed. After 18 months of pandemic lockdown, pet and human fashion couturier Anthony Rubio once again dazzled the runway with his original designs to celebrate our endurance and resilience in the face of COVID, bringing the party to them. So we're going to hear all about his newest collection, stories from behind the runway, and you'll find out how you can include an Anthony Rubio design in your baby's couture collection when we come back from a short break from our sponsor. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm Jody Miller-Young, your host. So grab that favorite beverage, get comfortable, and we'll be right back. How many of you have pets? My hand's raised. Now think about how lucky you are to have such a sweet little pet in your life. And that pet is lucky to have you too. But unfortunately, there are countless pets out there that don't have a home to call their own. However, Bob's from Skechers is trying to change that. So we developed Bob's for dogs and cats to help pets in need. With every purchase of adorable Bob's footwear or fun, stylish apparel, or even the cutest Bob's pet accessories, Skechers makes a donation to Petco Love to help save shelter pets. And with your help, we've already saved the lives of over 1 million pets and raised over $7 million. So while you're getting style and comfort with features like Skechers' famous memory foam cushioning, you're also helping to save an adorable pet in need and helping another lucky owner be connected with a future best friend and companion because happiness is having a loving pet by your side. Find Bob's at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, select pet co-locations, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. If you've just joined, you're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio, and I'm Jody Miller-Young. Today, we're speaking with world-famous pet couturier, Anthony Rubio, who's just presented maybe a week and a half ago his latest collection on the runways of New York Fashion Week for the first time since the onslaught of COVID. Let's go behind the runway with Anthony and you'll hear all about his new designs, stories from the runway, and how you can have your own Anthony Rubio design too. Welcome, Anthony. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hello, everyone. Great. I'm so thrilled to have you because presenting alone is a huge, we were just talking about this, a huge endeavor But this has been the first time in 18 months that you've been able to do what you do and present it to the people. And you did it in a way that was very, very special. So I totally want to talk about that. This was like a love letter to New York, this show. Give us a big picture sort of description view of what you were saying. Okay. Well, for starters, just to make things a little even clearer when pandemic when the pandemic crisis came in um we had just finished new york fashion week and caught off guard we were unable to get to california to do the show in la and um everything slowly started closing down when the following fashion week was coming which was that following september we had a challenge because we were in lockdown we were not allowed to display anything or congregate or do anything like that so you know, my thing is about staying relevant and staying in everybody's mind and eyes because everybody is like distressed and, and things were closing down everywhere. People just, you know, companies disappeared, you know, and everyone is, is affected, including the fashion industry, which I have to applaud because the fashion industry kicked in and helped during the pandemic, including myself making masks, uh, producing products that they never produced before, 
uh, yeah. from sanitizers to clothing for the um, uh, medical staff. So there's been a lot, a lot went on and it threw us all off guard, just like it did every other industry. We had to decide what direction to take. And you, Jody, you've been there from for many years watching my shows. You've been there for the very first one. So you know that I'm, I'm one of those unrelenting people that I persevere. And if there's a will, there's a way. And so we thought outside the box. I had watched what was going on in Europe, especially. And I decided that I wanted to do virtual shows. So while we were on lockdown, I still adhered to the dates of fashion weeks. And I did present virtual shows with live models and dogs. Wow. And I was the only one who was doing it. One of very few designers here in New York. And um, what happened was that it pick, got picked up by a lot of press because, you know, we were still pushing forward. And like I said, I did um, do my my part for COVID, you know, with producing masks and everything. But I'm not I'm medically trained and, and I was very skittish about getting that involved, that immersed in it. But I did what I could. Yeah. But um. We were thrilled to see that the numbers were going down, especially here in New York. The numbers went down. And um, during the summer, we were watching everything and waiting on bated breath to see what was coming for Fashion Week. And we got the green light that Fashion Week would happen. We got the green light in, in early August that Fashion Week was going to happen with live audiences. And that's when the chaos broke out because <laughs> we have production companies that, that, you know, we, we sign on with that, that, you know, we pay, we sign on with that do the major look, the location, do the big pieces like um, lighting uh, the runway built for us, because I mean, that would be crazy if I could handle that as well, but that's what you pay for so that you can, you know, it's an investment. And, you know, the top designers pay anywhere between ten and $20,000, sometimes even higher for the locations. So um, the hunt began, but um, there weren't that many production companies because they usually come from out of town. Uh, the company I usually use comes from the West Coast and they didn't come and they weren't telling us anything and we weren't getting responses. So we um, set out to get a new location. You know, for the virtual shows, I self-produced. So we did the shows ourselves. We choreographed. I got my, I got a team together and we self-produced. And even in California, we did one in June where we got a studio that was the size of an airplane hanger and, and, um, we put it together ourselves and I don't want to ever take that endeavor under my sleep because <laughs> it was the most stress because it's not enough that we had the stress of putting the show together, but now the venue and, you know, and we had people flying in from all over the country that wanted to be part of it because that's the other thing. People were anticipating, waiting on bated breath for the day that we would be able to show. And I have such loyal, I have to say, I'm blessed, you know, God blessed me with wonderful people that want to be part of the shows, even if they travel. I have people travel to the West Coast from Florida from uh, Colorado, from Texas. So I have people that come in, not just from the location, because the majority is from there, but the same thing here in New York, they came from all over to do the New York. So when I announced that we were doing the New York Fashion Week show, oh my gosh, we got bombarded by so many applicants. And, you know, this is a courtesy I extend to my um, clientele for their dogs to be in the show. And I bring in professional models from the agencies who offer their models because they want to be, you know, the models even come behind the agencies and ask me if I could write the agency a letter for them because they really want to be part of this show. They want to handle the animals. They want yeah. to be, it's, it's, it's a big thing. It's different and people and pets, you know? Yeah. That and, and the fact that again, blessed to get the media attention that I get, uh, they appreciate what I do. So they do wonderful stories from Harper's Bazaar, uh, Vogue, Vogue Italia, Vogue all over the world. Funny story. One of my clients was in, in Barcelona. They passed by a doggy shop they, with doggy clothing. And on the screen, they were showing one of my shows on their screen in Barcelona. Fantastic. So and they, they, they sent me the video of it. And I'm that like, oh, so look at this. It, cool. So it, it's, it's wonderful. But the thing was that, you know, here we are coming to September. And to the very last minute, there were still government regulations and laws being twisted and pulled around so like the week before they made the the law that um everybody had to show the covid vaccination cards and proof that they've been vaccinated and wear masks at the venues so we weren't completely out of the woods we were just given a special altered version of what we were expecting and we had to roll with the punches so yeah. of course you know i had to we had to contact all our models and everybody if you're coming, you have to be like this. You have to have that. I'm not one to judge who gets vaccinated or not. But the fact of the matter was that, you know, there were people amongst us that wanted to be in the show, but didn't get vaccinated, didn't believe in the vaccine. And I had to, you know, 
kindly, you know, ask them to please understand that this wasn't a personal decision. Yes. This is the, per the decision of our government that I didn't want to get shut down or whatever, because I tried to look the other way. So um, we did get our, our, our roster together of models. And um, we even got some extras on the side just in case because things do happen. And I always have extras. And we pulled this show together and we did it at a place called Sony Hall, which was a famous place that was a, um, a nightclub in the 1930s. So it had this special feel to it. Oh, wow. It was a gem in itself. You know, it was called, I think, the Horseshoe Lounge or something like that. And it, it had personality in its own, of its own. So that itself added and enhanced. And then uh, we went into the, after, once you do the walkthrough, we decide what we're going to do because we're all about now, uh, I, like you said, I wanted to take my, my audience on a trip. So we created the virtual screens and things that were in the background. Everything you saw, we created as far as the, the look and yeah. everything. And so Rob and I researched, uh, Rob, my partners, uh, researched the photography and uh, places that we wanted to feature and things that would work with the colors of the clothing. So this is, like you said, it's it's the little things. It's not just that let's throw Always. a show and it's done. This is about, you know, and then uh, uh, just to get, this is just to give you an idea. Yeah. People don't realize no, you know, that they come, they see the show or they watch it on video and it takes them into another world. But what goes into actually creating that world? Exactly. We're talking about this just before the designing and actually making of the clothes is one facet which is a big job in and of itself when you see the video, which everyone you'll be able to, you know, see these looks that Anthony created, but there's the whole pre-production and production and videography and photography and, and yeah, all public of relations, it. the public relations is all the world it. it's all its own. And that's, that's what Rob handles. He handles all the bookings, all the guests, that front row thing where everybody wants to kill each other to get that front row seat. It's no different in the doggy world. <laughs> It's dog eat dog. <laughs> this is yeah, it's very dog eat dog. And and the funny thing is that we send out the invitations in advance, but everybody in the industry waits on you know, they wait for the calendar to come out so they can start planning which shows they want to attend. And again, I'm blessed because they want to come to my show and I get a pit full of uh, photographers from the media, from Getty, from everybody, which is wonderful. And unfortunately, because the size of the venue and the venue was big, but we uh, had to turn away 300 and, around 350 approximately invitations from the from the industry. This is not even just regular people. This is the wow. industry, people from magazines. It was packed. From yeah, it was a packed house. I saw and that. If mm -hmm. you see the video, we had a packed house. We were full yes, of the rafters. And we still had to maintain distancing things at the tables and stuff. Yeah. So that yeah. so it was, you know, it was hard. But in the end, you know, I'm, I'm, I was pleasantly, um, you know, I don't see the show until the, the film comes out because I'm backstage. Of so course. I see the audience only when I come to take my bow. I know. You're prepping every model before they go out. I know. I'm hearing all week how wonderful the show was, how gratifying, what it did to people. And I'm like, I didn't see the show. Yeah. So, uh, so when I finally get to see the show, I, and I purposely wait until the day that I debut the show online so I can watch it along with the people that are watching it so nice. I can react as they do. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and it was very gratifying to see the reactions of the audience. Let's wait on that. And let's take people into the vision. Okay. And what you were trying to say to New Yorkers and do for New Yorkers. Well, we've been through a lot. A lot. There was a, a huge exodus of people leaving New York once COVID hit. People sold their homes. They left, every, you know, it, it, hotels closed down. So the city's not the same anymore, even though at this time, we're talking about back then, at this time, it's relive, It's starting to see its renaissance. It's coming back again. Theaters opened and everything. But when even when I did my show, there was three days before Broadway opened up again. And my show wasn't on the Broadway theater circuit. But uh, yeah, we had gone through so much. And my thing was that I, I acknowledge the plight of everyone who suffered and went through COVID and the 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 boundaries that we were put into because we were locked into our homes we were limited with our social lives there was no no there was no reason to get dressed there was no reason to go out there was no no place to go out to so i had to my thing was that when we were going with a live audience i wanted to come in with a big bang and i wanted to tell the story of how we came out from restricted zone into 
back out into the light. So it was like we came out of the, the other end of the situation, as they say, out of the other end of the tunnel, but we're not out of the woods. But we came out of the other end of the tunnel, and there are those of us who survived, those of us who were able to get through it. Um, many of us went through so much because I myself have witnessed death and everything through the pandemic, but we had to show that we were resilient. And my thing was that New Yorkers are warriors. New Yorkers are unrelenting. We move forward. We don't stay down. And I wanted to celebrate that. So it was coming out of the darkness, which is the first piece that comes out of the show. Yes, black I and was white. just going to ask you about yes. that. The first looks black and white and black and white. You know, and that was that's basically the COVID period and the girl coming out. But what was she holding in her hands? The brightest pink outfit on the little dog, like a glimmer of light. And then from there, I it went to, to pastel colors, to brighter colors, to fluorescent colors, so that by the end, it looked like the confetti at a parade, like somebody just blew the colors and everything. <laughs> and we used backgrounds that were that gave a 3D effect. It was the illusion of the runway going into a tunnel, almost going into a very lit, elaborate, beautiful place. Looks a little Italian to me. Actually, you want to know something? People thought that too. And you know where it was really? A what? Russian subway station. Oh my God. In Russia. And I, I'm, I'm big. Let me tell you, you know, I travel a lot. And uh, we're going to talk about that. Don't let's not go there okay. now. We're going to talk but, about it. <laughs> but one of my, one of my favorite things is to ride the subways and see how they, the other half lives, you know, how they live besides New York. Cause I like to do the comparative thing. Yeah. And I, now I want to go to Russia because these train stations are so decorated and so beautiful. But Very again, amazing. that was just the background yes. and we, and it pulled everybody in and, and to see the reaction, you know, I heard it from behind the curtain and then see it on film, the reaction of the people when it was like, oh, this big gasp when it, when that thing opened up and, and, and you see all the way down and the models coming. Yeah. And that model that opens up the show, her name is Elena. She's one of my favorite models. She's one, she's, she was, she's been in every one of my shows. I trained her personally. She was a tomboy and I turned her into this beauty that she is. <laughs> and we, and she's a goof. She's such a tomboy and a goof and she's an artist too, but she's just become such a beautiful person. And she's one of those people that walks in a room and lights up the room with her smile. So this girl walks in and she's jovial as can be. So she does whatever I say. And when she saw the, the, the garment, you know, like she didn't say, other people would be like, how come they're wearing color and I'm wearing black and white? She was like, I love this. And she was like, I'm going to tell this story. And I was like, you go yeah, for it, girl. And she, she got did. it. She got it. I noticed that the dogs exuded glamour. Lots yes. of glitz, lots of glimmer. What were you saying with those looks? That was my celebration of our pets. We, you know, there was a huge influx of people adopting um, dogs because of the loneliness of COVID adopting pets, I should say, not just dogs, pets. Yeah. And of course, of course, now at the end, there's a, there's some glitches because people now that COVID is gone and they have to go back to work. They're putting dogs up for adoption, which breaks my heart. But it just shows you that people acknowledge and know that domestic pets fill our lives. And my celebration was that, you know, you could take a dog and it could have any kind of a disease or accident and lose a limb. And they're so resilient that they bounce back and they act like it never happened. It could be a leg lost or an eye. And they're back happy, wagging tail, whatever. And and they're not worried about what's happening. You know, we as people were freaking out during this COVID thing because let's be realistic. We got caught with our pants down. And dogs and cats are more about sensing and companionship and seeking shelter. You know, so I learned a lot from my boys. You know, they don't freak out. They don't even, fireworks don't bother them. They're very good, you know, and, and I learned from the animals and, and I even learned from the animals that come from the shelters and organizations like the Sato Project, where these animals have lived in environments that we would never be able to survive in. And yet they have. So yeah. my thing was to celebrate the pets and I wanted to dress them up as elaborately, as colorful, as bejeweled. I wanted, I went all out and, and I, yes, I that's, did. The, the whole show, actually, the building of the clothing and the designings started this time with the dogs. And until the last garment was done, I didn't start on the people clothing and each garment. So these clothing were being done from last June. And I spent up to a week on each garment um, and, and wouldn't jump to the next one because that vision had to stay there. And I had to keep my, it was tunnel vision. And mm. I had to keep that garment to, until it was finished, until it told the story I want that garment to do because it matched the personality of the dog and where it came from also. So the colors tell something for each dog. There's a little something. And that's what I love also that 
the pet owners and myself, we have a little secret thing going where they know that what I'm going to produce is going to be something special for their dog. It's not going to happen for the other. It's going to be for their dog. So a quick little side story was that the day of the show, I got caught up with dressing the models. And I, one of the things I do, I fight and, 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 and struggle with, with the idea that when there's so many people and so much going on backstage, I have to have a room for my dogs and their owners before, during, and after the show. I mm-hmm. don't want them bothered. I don't want anybody stressing an animal. So I, I give up, you know, if it's my VIP lounge for something, I, I'm like, I don't want to put, I want the people with the dogs. So I missed the day of the show. I also missed like the show I didn't see. I didn't get to see when the clothing for the dogs was distributed. And I tell the stories and I get a little verklempt because I, <laughs> I heard the story that um, Rob came in with the clothing and as he pulled each garment out and called out the owner of the dog, it was like Christmas. That's the word they used. They were all like in awe and looking at the garment and, and so lovingly appreciating and applauding each garment as it went to the dog. So yeah. each person felt like, wow, you know, my dog is a star. And that's yeah. how I always put it, that each dog is a star yeah. and no dog is more important. No dog is more uh, famous. It's the dogs are stars in my show. They're the models. They're the first. Um, I'm the first designer to present on New York Fashion Week dogs as models, not accessories. And I treat it as such. Absolutely. What was the most challenging garment for you to make on the dog side? (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, one thing that happens with every show, it's been happening too often. And I was getting upset with myself for beating myself up for it was that my boys, Bogey and Kimba, were not getting the garments, the quality that I was doing for the other dogs because I was rushing theirs as opposed to the other dogs. So this time I said, I'm going to make something extra special for each of my boys. And those were not only the hardest to make, but the most expensive. I went all out and I cut myself so many times because their garments, which I will show you, were made with um, a lot of metal and glass and um, stones and all hand sewn. And these fabrics, once you can't run it through a machine, so a lot of it is hand done. And those took a lot of time, but they're masterpieces and they're archivals now. Show us, show us. Okay. And for those of you listening, you'll see photos of this. Oh, my God, that is stunning. This is Kimba's Kimba's outfit. Just describe it for those listening. Okay, so it's got a a Elizabethan, that's the word, uh, look to it with um, these little pads on the the waist. Because the other thing is my my Kimba gets carried. He doesn't want to walk. So I want it more to be on the top, more volume. So I created these pieces and what you're seeing here are rows of bugle beads, uh, glass beads, little metal balls, and all of this work being done like chevrons along the sleeves. Because that's the other thing. Other designers do this strap strap thing, which is fine, but that's very cookie cut out. My thing is I do people tailoring and I do it on the dogs as well. So there will be tucks and pleats or whatever, but uh, whatever the case may be, there are stones and everything all around. And there's this symmetry. An even more bejeweled neckline. Yeah, the, the neckline is bejeweled completely around. And as you can see from the glimmer and the, the, the light, it's oh. all glass. And then a lot of it is held together with wires. And then I finished it off with this wonderful uh, necklace, which has the same tones in the stones. Dang. And um, it's pretty incredible. But like I said, it took a lot of time, a lot of money because oh these, my are God, the yes. are, the, these are not plastic. These are Swarovski crystals is the real deal. Yeah. And um, this is a lot of work that went into this to create this. And it's got the little nuances and little things like I love it. I hanging. noticed that the, and, the dangling yeah. glittery and you, can, and you see the symmetry of the design, the way it, yes, these, the are, these are separate pieces. So all of these, yes. these are made separately in pieces, and then I put it together to create. Yes. So it's like sculpting, in other words. It is stunning. And you'll be able to see this on the Pet Life Radio YouTube channel. And I'm going to put this up on the Bark and Swagger YouTube channel, too. So now here's, this is both. This is even, even more elaborate. This is incredibly elaborate. So... This is like a duster for a dog, yes. a bejeweled and duster. like stained glass, which is the fabric underneath. And wow. then the layering of all the crystals. And this is this design right here is all wire. Remember when we used to write penmanship class? We, that's what we did here. It's like all this little circular thing going on here yes. with all the work here. And so then beautiful. with his, we did the <gasps> blue stones in the front. Love that. And I did these little special things on his little show because he's the one that rides on my arms when we come out. Yes. So, like little angel wings. <laughs> yes. So he, he rides this way. 
And yes. so this is what everybody sees along the way of the fashion stunning. show. Stunning, 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 Anthony. That, thank you. And that's just that's just an idea of the work. Oh, gosh. Well, yeah. this is a perfect lead into, you know, my next question for you, which is you really mixed up the fabrics. You had the lush brocades. You had the sheer ethereal looks with the sequins. You had the crystals. Why did you choose the fabrics you did for these looks? And what were you looking for when you were selecting for us fashion lovers? Well, first of all, as an artist, the first thing that I looked for was colors. And I had a theme. I had a story to tell. So I had to have the right colors. Then once I had the colors, I had to look for, I, the, it, it, I wanted a festive look like New Year's Eve when the, the, the ball comes down and the confetti flies. So I needed the depth. And that's where the textures came in and the glitter and the sequins come in. And each color represents, you know, like I said, the personality of the dog and the, the shapes as well. And there were feathers. Yeah, there were feathers. There were sequins. There was, you name it, brocades. And, you know, the funny thing is that I was watching yesterday because, you know, the fashion weeks travel along the, around the, the Europe from New York. They go to London, from London to Milan and from Milan to Paris. And then they swing back again, back to New York. And I was watching the Milan shows yesterday for Prada and for Versace. And I found so many similarities. Now, remember, my show was first. Uh, but <laughs> mine was weeks ago. They're showing yesterday. So I'm not saying they copied anything, but <laughs> there were some coincidences, um, the color palettes, um, even my, the closing dress on the model, the model that closed with me uh, had a high low dress with this uh, little tail on the back. And the whole Prada show had very similar short dresses with tails on them and the colors. Well, it just goes to show you are so on point. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, that we're that, yeah. that I've got that. And and I remember I don't get to see none of that stuff until after. So and the same thing happened with the show when I saw it on the film. It brought me to tears because it gave the reaction of, to the audience that I wanted. It made people happy. And it's the show that makes everyone smile. And everybody went after the show, when I was walking, you know, we, they, they lead us to the red carpet to take pictures. And as we're going, people with the cell phones in our faces and everything, but people kept coming up and congratulating me and telling me that this made them feel good. It, it yeah. was something so special. And yeah. there's a gentleman from NBC TV, they, I, I won't say his real name, but his, his title in the show is Mr. Manners. And he comes to my shows. I always send him an invitation. He waited until a lot of people got to come up to me and say, that show was the feel good show. He says, it was like, welcome back to New York. He told me the whole story that I was relaying right. without knowing what I was doing. Yeah. And I said, bingo. I said, thank you. You just confirmed that I got through my point. And yeah. that, that made it for me. So That's fantastic. Now, for the first time, and correct me if I'm wrong, you incorporated menswear, not the naughty ties like you've done before, but a real full menswear look into the show, right? Yes, yes, now, yes. I loved what you did especially the dusters. They are crazy good. What inspired those looks? And listeners, you're going to be able to check this out on the Bark page. So they're very cool. The idea, I've been wanting to extend into the menswear. I've been saying this for a long time because there were several new things that I did for the first time, including women's pants, which I'll get into after. But the, they were the, beautiful. the dusters were uh, something that I had been studying the Japanese designers, um, Yoshi Yamamoto and Isimiyaki. And these are designers that work with creating fabrics and creating, um, I believe it's Isimiyaki that creates clothing for women and, and for men that is easy to travel. It looks wrinkled all the time. And it's because you could pack it in luggage, you could pack it into a tube and carry it with you and then just pull it out, shake it and put it on. And they make this thing that looks so um, easy. So, so, you know, so cool. And I was um, at Mood and I was looking at these <laughs> um, fabrics that have recycled plastic. And so these are synthetics, but it's recycled goods. And I felt I loved the look of them. And then I went and I touched them and I was like, oh, wait a minute. It was like, I've never worked with this. It's hard enough to manipulate a sewing machine with with stones and sequins and stuff, but to manipulate a fabric that's synthetic and slippery would be hard. But, you know, I'm one of those people that I said, I'm going to do this one way or another. And I, I, I just went to it and um, I created these dusters that resemble um, what you see in anime movies. They had holograms on them. Yeah, it's so like when space the lights, age. Yeah. <laughs> so the, when the lights hit them, the black and white one looked like smoke. It looked like it was moving. And they took this wonderful picture, which I have on my page of Facebook, <clears throat> that the model turned around and it looks like he's wearing a cape. 
So my saying is that you don't have to be a hero to wear a, a to, to be wearing a cape. And they, they, he wore this thing that, you know, and my male models, I use pretty much these two guys a lot because they're just so good people and they love the dog gorgeous and good looking and, and attitude so, the way they yeah. flung that duster yeah. and, around and they listen to instruction <laughs> which is very important right so uh the names of rob and cody and um when they came in and i said i have something special it's not just ties or accessories this is for you they put them on and they were like holy crap they felt it and when yeah. they're on the runway you could see that they felt it and they yes. they 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 wanted to show it that was what went on with those men's clothing that, that, and, and I'm going to take it further. I want to do blazers. I want to do suits. So this is just the beginning stages, but I needed to get the approval first of this first set of clothing before I move forward. Because if people would tell me, well, that was lousy and that really didn't work out. Then I'm going to, then I would say, you know what, then maybe I should hold off. But now I've got this green light. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm, I've got fabrics. I'm looking at, I'm like, I can make a man's jacket from that. I can make, so I'm already Absolutely. planning the next show. We can't wait to see. I mean, <laughs> and dusters, choosing dusters were so on point. You know, they're just so modern and it's the contemporary and, look and, yeah. and artistic and cool, very contemporary. We are going to take a short break from our sponsor. But when we return, we're going to hear some behind the runway stories, Anthony. Yes. And um, you're going to learn where you too can get an Anthony Rubio design. So refresh that beverage, get cozy, and we'll be right back. Sit, stay, we'll be right back, right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. If you've just joined, we're talking with top pet couture designer Anthony Rubio, who just presented his newest collection at New York Fashion Week. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm Jody Miller Young. Anthony. I have watched you evolve and grow over the years. And I have to say bravo to you. I told you this before. I got goosebumps when I watched the video of your show because I know what goes into presenting a show and I've seen how much you've grown over the years. I know that travel, you love traveling and certain period fashion have had a huge effect on your growth as a designer and how you express that vision. Your trip to Italy, for example, for your fall winter 2016 show was a huge inspiration. Tell listeners about the destinations and periods that have inspired you most along the way. 
I'm very much about what's hip in the media and what's what's going on, you know, in film and theater. So of course that influences me a lot. Um, I travel to Europe when I can because, like, I'm not I'm not doing any traveling. It's I been know. a while, and we I think it'll be a, another year because I do want to eventually present in Europe. But the thing about it is that I go to a lot of museums. I watch what's going on in the people fashion um, shows and with the the high end um, couture. I borrow ideas. Um, let's be realistic. Fashion is not as innovative as people think it is because you can't reinvent the pants. You know, the pants, either you raise the lamb or you look, but you can <laughs> always enhance, you, you add a little something. And um, I, I like to look at what they were wearing in the 18th century. Uh, when I've been in Paris, I spend days at the Louvre. Uh, when I go to Italy, I, 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 I've been to Milan, Rome, um, Naples. I've been all over Italy and I like to take in the culture and it all influences me. So when I come back, I, I, you know, and I take notes, I'm always taking notes and I'm always um, talking to my phone and I'm always uh, remember this and remember that. And that way, because like I said, I can't say I invented anything, but I can say that I rejuvenated it or I, you know, made it more modern. So my thing is to create something that brings brings back some of that ethereal look or or what it, whatever it is that affected me at the moment and put it into the clothing, be it color, texture, or shape, and that's how that works. You know, it's it's a it's a lot of research. So a lot of the times I'm always I may be on vacation, but the eyes are always roving, always looking. Yes. And I, and before I even go to Europe, I'm already looking on the calendars over there. What's open? What museums are presenting? So I know which ones to go because there's not enough time to see everything but when there's something that catches my eye and by the way here in new york they're doing the christian dior exhibit which i'm about to go see in a couple of days Ooh, but uh, yeah so you can imagine, it's like candy store but um the thing is that i love to travel just to get influence and and then bring it back and put it into the shows absolutely and it's really you make it your own which is yes. the main thing so i asked you what the most challenging piece and it turned out to be pieces were for the dogs what about for the human models? What was the most challenging and why? Um, the, the human models are, you know, it's funny that it, it always was easy to do the, the, the canine clothing because it was what I did all the time. And then I started doing the people clothing because in order to be, you know, to make it official to be in Fashion Week, New York Fashion Week, you have to produce human clothes. You can't just say I'm doing dogs on a runway because then it's not that's not what New York Fashion Week is about. Yes. So when I was invited into the to the realm of New York Fashion Week, I was asked to produce clothing for people. And at the time I was in Italy on vacation and I quickly ran in Milan. Actually, I ran to a fabric store, uh, rented a machine and I put three garments together, sent them the pictures for the approval. And they were like, you're in. So, um, you know, this was, like I said, it's something that happened. It fell on my lap and, and you got to take it and run. You can't turn around and say, I can't do it. You know, you miss an opportunity. You miss an opportunity. That's right. So you got to be hungry. You got to do it. So, um, that's that, you know, you, I did that. And the idea that it was easy to make the doggy clothing and then to go into cl human clothing, which is what I studied originally at FIT. Mm -hmm. Now I'm doing, I'm, I'm used to the doggy clothing. Now I'm going back to human stuff. So the human stuff was a little challenging because I didn't want to look anything to look pedestrian or look like you could just go to the store and buy it. I wanted things that people wanted to, they, I wanted people to like it without having seen it yet. So when they see it, it's like, I have to have it. And that's how I work. So um, that became harder. But now with this line of clothing, I have to say the harder part was the doggy clothing, because like I said, I was bejeweling, ah. I was sewing. So I went back to the opposite, the human clothing. I was pumping them out like one, two, three. That's My thing was finding the fabrics. And yeah. it was telling the story of, like I said, from bland to colorful and flavorful. And um, it, the, once I put things on a mannequin, like, I'm going to give you a quick peek here of what's going, what's happening already for February show. This is Ooh. a garment. <laughs> this you is guys a garment better I'm check out on. the YouTube channel. Yeah, only oh you get a look. Oh my God, that's stunning. And this is all little pieces. I'm The pins are in here. And the, I'm juxtaposing everything to then attach it and then create the dress. So wow. that's what the next line is going to be. It's going to be like puzzles. So wow. you see already the mind is working. The, yes. the, the, the curtain was dropping on the last show and I'm already 
where am I prolific, going? Prolific, baby. Yes. <laughs> I love so, it. So that's how it works. And, and I'm finding it easier to work with the fascists for the people. And especially when I've got easygoing models who don't come in. I mean, there was, when we get to the stories behind the curtains, I'll tell behind the scenes, I'll tell you, but my models mostly don't question me. They're not, you know, I, I've had situations where I put a garment on them and they'll, they say, I could put this on and they come back to me. And I'm like, that honey is backwards. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes <laughs> I have to dress them because they, uh-huh. they're not sure where I was going with the design. Yeah. It might look correct the way they put it on, but the correct way was the other way around. Yeah. So I'm lucky that I have people that work with me who love what I do, who are excited. And when I pull out the clothing to put it on them, they're like, oh, and, and they're happy to put it on the runway. So, yeah, well, let's, let's hear about some of those behind the scenes. Wouldn't know about unless you told us stories. Okay. So, um, I have a photographer friend that well, filmed my show in LA and he flew into New York and unbeknownst to me, he, you know, he'd spoke to Rob. So, you know, uh, Rob then filled me in the little pieces later on the bits and pieces. The guy is doing a, a television show for the Russian network and um, he's European, he's French actually for the European network. That's very similar to America's got talent. And if you remember ever watching that show, they yeah. narrowed down all the, t- all the models down to the last four. And then they do an episode where they do the go sees. And then from the go sees, they get picked who gets picked the most by designers. And then that person gets to the finalist. Well, they pulled that stunt on me at this show. The photographer came over and he had asked if he could put some girls in my show. And I said, I'll bring some extra garments. And um, usually they don't allow that. They're like, you have 15 pieces. It's 15 pieces in the show. I went with 20 when they told me 15, but I, they, he bought me the, the, the girls. He bought four girls and um, I picked out the girls. And then he, the one girl, the, the last girl was the one, you know, I, he says, which one would you pick first? So I went through that whole thing. He's not telling me what this is about. And then I says, okay, you're going to wear this. You're going to wear this. You're, and then one girl turned around. She, she, she didn't speak much English. And she's telling the other girls. And she's like, yeah, she wanted to wear it a different way. So right away, that struck a note with me. I'm like, no, you're going to wear it this way because this is my design. And so... <laughs> She's the one who got eliminated. As the story turns out, that's the girl who got eliminated. And the prize for the other three is that they're going to be shown in Russia on my runway um, as the three finalists. Uh, and then the, the judges on the show pick the one that they like the most from the show of the three of them. So I have these four Russian girls who don't speak English. And I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's crazy. And, so this and is a reality show in Russia? Yes. It's their version of America. And got they talent. kind of bum rushed your show yes and made you a part of their story and now you've just given something away to everybody yeah you're going to be showing in russia eventually well this show will show up in russia for sure yes Yes. so wow um, so so that was just one thing the other thing i was telling you about was that i delved into women's pants because people kept asking me you keep making skirts you keep making skirts you keep i says okay it's time that I, I, I bite the bullet and get into making women's pants because my thing is, you know, I get scared of the fittings or whatever. And I made these sheer pants uh, that were pink, pink. with little feather-like things Beautiful. and the metallic silver jack blazer. And um, it had a, a halter piece underneath because I was going to do these chest plates of sequins. And I only got to finish one for the show. The other two didn't come out. So they'll come out in the next show as part of something else. But it was completely done in sequence. And, and the girl, like I said, the Russian girl was like, eh, eh. so I was like, OK, you want to <laughs> be like that? Here, let me get that plate. I says, now you can go nude with the jacket on. I was wondering. I didn't see any plate underneath that. Yes. She taped things. They did <laughs> yeah. that fashion tape thing because the jacket wasn't closed. It was no, it wasn't closed, but it's fitted, so yes. it it worked. And she had beautiful black long hair, so yeah. it looked incredible. Oh, it did, and I yeah. love those so, pants. I love yeah. those pants. The the sheer, beautiful, interesting texturally, and great color. Thank you. Yeah. So, so that was you know so that was another little something. Now other things that happened backstage were that um be unbeknownst to anybody. Because of the, the, the COVID crisis, this place is located two levels down underground below a hotel. And the hotel has its parking lot and everything. And we saw it all open when we did the walkthrough. Then Hurricane Ida was her name, came to New York. Yeah. And I was sitting on the edge of my seat, nervous, because like I said, it's underground. Too, That's too underground. scary. Said, think people, were, people died in New York. I there know. Floods. Floods Quite everywhere. a few people died. So I was afraid I was going to lose my location. Yeah. So thank God nothing happened to it. 
But unbeknownst to me, the reason why they used the, I bring it up is because when I did the walkthrough, there was too much stuff backstage and, and the, where they were going to do the makeup was a kitchen and they have a, a makeup room downstairs for the, the celebrities that come to perform on their stages. But because there's so many things going on, they made promises to me. I'm going to move this. They're going to move that. They're going to give me this. And then I arrive and everything is still in place. And I'm like, and the garage is closed. And I'm like, I'm not making the connections yet, but I'm just angry because I'm like, this is not what we agreed to. This is not what I paid for. And then there were little things like people not acknowledging me when I spoke. And it was because I was not formally introduced to the staff and the staff didn't know who I was. So they looked at me like, who does he think he is? And I'm like, you know, so little things like that were were piling up along the way. The glitches that happened. And yeah. the, the, the place that they were going to have me to dress the models was now filled with tables that they had to use because the hotel got closed and their room upstairs, uh, their, their ballrooms is where they would move all that stuff to for, while the shows go on. That was not moved. So now they moved it into the room for the dressing. So I was dressing models behind a curtain next to the tables where the people were, were sitting. And oh it was also goodness. the... It was also the passageway for another designer that was going to be showing and their models kept crossing back and forth. So it was the most frustrating thing in the world. The dark underbelly of uh, New York Fashion Week. (laughs) Yes. And and my other thing is. Yeah. And you and and the other thing is that I have to be wary with in the age of Me Too, you have to be wary of the fact that you've got photographers who are walking around with cameras and I've got models who are partially nude. And I have ah, to be careful that nothing yeah. gets videotaped or photographed. So I'm chasing. So you imagine I'm chasing them away. I'm chasing this. And I'm like, you, can't <laughs> be here. you could be here. You stay, you go. And people, I was You're like a circus anymore. master, right? <laughs> exactly. So in, in the end, it becomes like a, like an orchestra leader where I have to orchestrate everybody and get this one over there and get this one. And then they were rushing me to put the models on the runway when my models weren't dressed completely because of all the traffic. So it's, it's a battle, but then, like they say, it's smoke and mirrors. It's all beautiful. Right. Once the garments are done and everything, and we're ready to hit the runway. You know, again, I, I hit another wall where the person who has the headpiece talking to the light and music guy who Rob did a meticulous job of picking the music and, and the, the video screens in the background and everything with instructions that a 10 year old could follow. And yeah. yet they still messed up. And, oh, and, no. and the girl is telling my models to hurry up. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not doing a two minute show. I paid a lot of money for this and I want the garments <laughs> to be seen. So I got into it with her and oh. sure enough, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give you instructions and you tell the guy on the microphone. And she would look at me. She said, who do you think you are? And I says, the designer who's paying for you to be here. <laughs> and she was like, oh. So oh. then, then she kind of clicked and then, you know, then it went, that's when, when we got it moving, but you see in the beginning of my films, I also have my product, my logo production. I had that made, um, I forgot what country, I think it was in India. They did my logo spinning around and then it, it like, like very Paramount pictures of Warner brothers. And I, I love that because it gives you, yeah. it, it sets you up. It sets you up like, okay, what's glamour and crescendo. Yeah, I know. And then the first thing opened and, and the rest yeah. is history. They'll let yeah. the people see for themselves. Absolutely. I want to sort of end with something that as long as I've known you, I'd known, I've known has been very near and dear to your heart. And that is being a huge advocate of adoption. I remember you creating a campaign called Adopt Me Maybe for your yes. 2015 show. Like mm-hmm. a sort of nod to Carly Rae Jepsen's big song back then, Call Me Maybe, yeah. and including shelter dogs and the the Sato Project dogs. Did you include rescues in the show again? Yes, we had a celebrity shelter dog, a Sato, actually, who we used during my virtual show in February. It was so much fun. I brought her back. Her name is Charlotte. She was on the cover of Dogster magazine. That dog smiles <laughs> and she's the easiest going and she loves the runway. Oh, cute. And we also had a return. Yeah, she's incredible. And we had the return of Henry for Bidewee. Um, Henry is another one that was rescued out in Texas somewhere. And he was at from day one, that little boy, we dressed him up and we, 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 it was like, we put him on the floor to go out on the runway before we could say go, he was on the runway. And so <laughs> he's been, he, so he's, he, he made a comeback. And oh, good. His, I remember Henry. His owner was thrilled. And we have a lot of adopted dogs. And um, we had a senior, I believe she's 20 years old, a senior blind chihuahua oh, named Nina, who, oh flo- who they fly in from um, San Antonio. 
Oh my uh, God. Because I write for a magazine in San Antonio, a fashion magazine, um, uh, a big magazine over there. I'm the fashion editor. And the head editor brought, brings her dog, and she's been in a few of my shows. So we're trying to make her senior life as important and as fashionable as possible. So she and went fabulous. from rags to riches, and she steals the show. And um, so, and we have the mayor of Union City, New York, who's a senator also in New Jersey. His wife um, and himself came, and this was their second show. And they introduced, last time they brought only a girl, this time they brought the boy and girl Shih Tzus. So, um, and they're adopted nice. as well. So I think just about, I, I would say 75% of the dogs in the show are sheltered or adopted dogs or re rescue dogs. Love and, that. Um, you know, that's my thing, my heart. And and yes. I didn't get to get uh, a guide dog in this time, but I also bring dogs from the Guide Dog Foundation, which is the next show I'm working for in October, October 28th. I'm doing their show. That's beautiful, Anthony. So tell listeners how they can get an Anthony Rubio design for themselves or their baby. Well, everything is custom. It's a luxury line. And um, all they have to do is get in contact with me through anthonyrubiodesigns.com. That's my web page. So it's easy to remember, anthonyrubiodesigns.com. Or they can find me on Facebook or they can find me, they can find me anywhere. I'm all over the internet now. Yes. And um, all they have to do is shoot me an email, tell me that they're interested uh, and tell me a little bit about their dogs. They, I need to know a little something about the dogs and what the occasion is. And most importantly, I need to know if the dog has ever worn clothing before because I don't believe in forcing an animal to wear anything. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. And some of our dogs just don't like it. That's right. Just don't like it. Anthony, I cannot wait to see what happens next. And I'm so thrilled that you joined me today. Oh, I and forgot to share something with you. What? One last thing. What? CFDA has invited me to have my everything put on their pages. So I'm now, you know, part of CFDA 360. That uh, so people can go to CFDA 360. Huge. They can see my my shows there, my history, everything there. And another little surprise, something that I had wanted for many years, and it was just too difficult to do for myself or get anybody or hire anybody. And all of a sudden, out of the clear blue sky, poof, it appeared online. I am now Wikipedia. So oh my goodness. I have a Wikipedia. <laughs> it's small right You've now. You really made grow, it, Anthony. <laughs> but, but you know, it's, it, things are happening Absolutely. without my even knowing. Somebody put yeah. it together and I, I looked at it and it references everything I've ever done. And I was like, somebody's watching, you know, so yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. What a and, great uh, feeling. All the hard work is paying off. So I'm really so thrilled for you. And thanks for joining us, Anthony. And I can't, as I said, I can't thank wait you. to see what comes next. Thank you. <laughs> I hope everybody enjoys the show. Oh, me too. And thank you all for listening. Thanks to our producer, Mark Winter. Mark, you make us sound so good. We love you for that. My passion is living stylishly, rescue, and health. So join me next time for the designers, home decor, rescue stories, and health stories I love. And you can visit me on BarkAndSwagger.com for those as well. So until next time, when fierce fashion calls, Bark and Swagger. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.